You don't have the uh, different backgrounds there, Vic? No, I would. For the Skype, do that? No, I, I have that on Zoom. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a Zoom thing. thing. What is your background? It looks, it looks nice. <laughs> Oh, I'll unblur it if you want to see it. <laughs> You've never seen it before. Yeah, I feel like you're on like a little screen for me, but it looks like... Oh, how, how, how do you do that? Oh, it's an option in the bottom corner. Uh, okay, let me, let me check this. Yeah. Oh, oh there. I took, a, I took a screenshot, I think. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the... Uh, yeah, so I just have, you know, various art prints that I've purchased over the years. Oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> Oh, I like that Wolverine one. Right there. I like nice. Also, my my master sword. Oh man. That one looks like Jen's master sword. Mine's just calm. You're all little bubbles on my screen. Yes, yeah, so I was like, I have no bubbles. And Jen, nice. You got a big man. Red and big. You're yeah, small. Probably because I'm hosting, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. They should be allowed to have a grid view, but it's not allowing me to... I have everybody in a grid, and I'm in a little corner. Yeah, that's what I want, but it's not letting me go. Oh, something happened. Now I don't see anybody. Okay. Oh, that's the show. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, everybody. We tried. <laughs> and uh, we would take a... Have you ever done a strawpedo before, Josh? I can't say that I have. All right, so straw pedo, real quick, is you take a, a beer bottle like this that has, like, a long neck. You put a straw, one of those bendy straws. Uh-huh. You put it in, right, and then you bend the straw, obviously. Like you're going to take a sip of beer, but you're not going to sip it. So what you're going to do is you're going to fold the, the top of the uh, the exposed uh, straw down, right, like this, kind of yeah. with my finger there. Like bend it in here. Right. Wrap your hand around it, not enough to close the airway through, but just enough so you can hold the, the beer bottle and then you would shotgun, you chug it. Mm-hmm. And what happens is the, there's still air flowing through, so the beer goes straight down your throat <laughs> within like what, two right seconds. Right into your brain. Directly into That's your crazy. brain. That's and it works. Shit. And it works. You could finish a whole bottle like this within like uh, two seconds. Oh man! Because, because uh-huh. there's no like no bottleneck, uh, you know. Right. No, so it just goes straight down. Because of the, the air still able to go through because of the straw. That'd be a cool secret for like choking contest or something, you know? Like, <laughs> people drinking like a gallon of milk is still strong there. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Nurse Board Presents A Hodgepodge Cast, where we have a bunch of not so random idiots talking about stuff. Stuff meaning comic books, movies, video games, whatever. We're here. Hello, I am one of your hosts. This is Al. How's everybody doing today out there in the interwebs? Good. Good, thank you. To my, all right, that's right. We're in quadrants right now. We have <laughs> in alpha quadrant, in beta quadrant. I'm not in quadrant, so I don't know who you're pointing at in your quadrants. In my lower right-hand quadrant, we have Nerd Sport Illustrator himself. Picklebeck. Picklebeck <laughs> is in the is in his house. How you doing, Picklebeck? Doing good. And my dinner because I haven't eaten all day. Barely eaten all day. <laughs> well, enjoy that dinner. I will. I'm just letting you know, because I know it's not like a thing you shouldn't eat during the podcast, but I am hungry. We'll make an exception. <laughs> it's poor form to eat while you're recording, but I really don't care right now. <laughs> oh, this is funny. Victor's immediate right to my quadrant is the evil one himself. Evil Ray, what's up? Evil Ray is in his apartment. How are you doing today, sir? I'm still alive. Alcohol kills germs, so I'm going to be healthy. 
And we also have here the wonderful nurse work manager herself. <laughs> Jen, hi. How you doing there, Jen? Good, thank you. So today I'm excited. We don't do this a lot, but every time we do, I always have a great time. We always have a great time. We have a guest on today. He's a good friend of ours. We went all the way to Florida. I think. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm drinking right now. <laughs> so we some random guy you One beer and you're done. <laughs> One beer and you're out. <laughs> He's a chuck. And uh, he goes by the name of Josh. How you doing there, Josh? I'm doing great. I'm doing great for family. Wait, wait, wait. He doesn't look like no chef. Where's that fancy hat? <laughs> I, 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 got, I, got, I got the burns on my arm. That'll probably be enough. <laughs> They're supposed to be wearing a white hat and like a neckerchief or something. I got them somewhere, but I didn't know I was supposed to wear that. I could just put that on. <laughs> Yeah, I don't wear that much anymore. <laughs> yeah, that would definitely be good for an audio podcast. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just use your imagination. Yes, I'm wearing a, a chef hat right now. <laughs> he's, in, he's in total getup is what you're thinking of. Total chef getup. Yep. So, Jeff, we can go more into. Uh, I didn't give you a, a, a. I didn't go into exactly what you do, but we can definitely go into that um, as we go along here. One of the things that I like uh, to do when I have a guest is talk about what they are passionate about because I want to be as passionate as other people are out there. And when I get to absorb people's passion, it helps me out. It helps me out to try to find something that I want to do uh, because I can't do anything. I suck. I don't have a well, talent you're in really my. You're good at annoying us. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm not entirely clear on what your actual job is. <laughs> think you don't really do anything. Who's an energy vampire or a passion vampire? <laughs> passion vampire. Yes. That's exactly that awesome. a good way to describe me there, Evil Ray. Uh, I, I absorb people's passion. And I like to learn about people's, people's passion because I don't know how to do it. So, well, yeah, I think, like, when you talk about passion, like, for me, passion is uh, basically an emotion, you know what I mean? Like, passions change throughout time in your life. Like, one time, you'll be passionate in dancing. I'm just giving you examples in my life. Passion about dancing, passion about music, and then eventually, you know, passion about food. And they all kind of, the level of passion changes throughout time. And then, like, I don't know, I just go with it. Like, a lot of people have told me, like, oh, don't focus too much on different things. Uh, you're never going to be able to be as good at one thing as you are multiple things at the same time you know you're, you're focusing too much energy on too many different things at once and it's, it's not gonna work out for you and i'm like maybe you're right but i don't really, really care the thing i found about passion is if the thing that you figure you'll do for free but you'll still do it anyways that's like your passion you know what i mean and for me it's been it's been cooking it's been creating because that's my way of expressing myself is in the kitchen if i had an idea i'm like how can i get this on the plate and then i just express myself through it i don't i don't really care about the ridicule i'll get on it whether it be like all oh, this dish doesn't show appreciation to the onion or the you use too much truffle as like a, a cop out or whatever it is i'm like this is what i want to do you know you're free to have your opinion on it but this is this is what i'm doing regardless that's what that's how i feel excellent Good description, good description <laughs> for passion. So, Josh, the thing that we do here with our guests is I have questions. Oh, you run them off. 
Actually, this is just my cable bill. Isn't that a dungeon oh, so no. <laughs> But uh, it's just for dramatic effect because, again, it's audio. Oh, great. <laughs> so, a, I have questions. Cheat sheet. You know, question one, your name. Question two, <laughs> how did you get here? <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> so, Josh, we have questions. You will provide some answers. I hope, hopefully, I have all the answers. <laughs> Who am I? About... <laughs> because if you don't like your answer, you'll never see your daughter again. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that you are a chef. Well, for one thing, let me let me go into how I first met you. I said I we flew all the way down to Florida, mm-hmm. and one of the cool things I, I I first learned about you that Jen told me about was like he works at uh, he works at Disney. At one of the restaurants there, and we're gonna go dinner at the, you know, at the place that he works at. I was like, ah, I love Disney, <laughs> I love food, and I get to meet new people. Excellent, three great things. Yeah. And uh, we went to the, we, we met you and uh, a gentleman, your wife there, and it was a beautiful um, restaurant. I don't recall the name of the restaurant. It was uh, California Grill, a contemporary resort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. it's like the 15th floor of the hotel and it overlooked Magic Kingdom. That was a really cool restaurant. That was very beautiful. We took some pictures up there. We ate with a bunch of people and we had fun. I don't recall what I ate because that was like, what, five years ago? That was like five, yeah, four or five years ago. (laughs) Four or five years ago. But since then, you've been uh, traveling and and honing in and experiencing and, and probably honing in on your craft probably. But you're a chef. Why go that route? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so basically, I became a chef. I, like I was being brought up. My parents worked a lot, so I didn't see them a lot. Um, I had two siblings, and I often fed them. I cooked meals for them when they had friends over. I cooked meals for um, their friends, and I, to me, it wasn't anything. It was just like a hobby. It was just like, oh, we gotta eat. No one else wants to cook, so I'll cook for you guys. And it's just something I was brought up doing. Like there was a time where I would wake up at 5 a.m. and cook breakfast for my dad before he went to work, and I was in, like third grade then. And it's just something I liked doing, and I didn't think anything of it because my dad wanted me to be a, a baseball player. You know, so he's throwing me through baseball camp and all this stuff and like got me competitive, I think. And then when I got to high school, I got involved in cooking competitions. They had some programs at my school where I could go compete and cook like chop style, you know, like I cook three course meal for a bunch of local chefs and they critique all the other schools. And basically I won both years with my team and also team, team captain, I guess. And I just fell in love with it then. And then my teacher kind of pushed me and showed me like, Oh, you can go to culinary school. You can become a chef. You can go out in the world and work in restaurants. I'm like, That's cool. Let's do that. So like, it's something I was good at. I kind of dropped everything else in my life and just like went full straight into it. Went to like the best culinary school I could find. I went to go work for the best chefs that I could. And basically, we're here now. So right now, it's a weird situation because like I'm not employed right now, <laughs> like a lot of people. But it's we were just recently at a three Michelin star restaurant in New York City. There, I was, I was in a position called chef to party, which is basically like a line cook, and that's my uh, job description there, where we work while they're doing cold apps or meat station or fish station. But I'm basically underneath the sous chefs and the, the head chef there, so I, I take their orders, and yeah. That's basically what we've been doing. We've traveled, like I said, from New York to Florida to Minnesota, working, opening different restaurants, and eventually are hoping to open our own. 
Excellent. Great. So you've done a lot of traveling too. Yeah. Wow, look at that. Traveling too. See, I don't even travel. <laughs> no time to travel with you traveling. That must be really cool to do. You said culinary. How's the culinary school like differ from like regular school? Uh, you still have to go through the same curriculum, or you're doing like? You can actually tell the teacher the dog ate my homework, and it was. I never thought about that one. <laughs> no, but they have like the general classes. You have to take your general math classes. Uh, you have to take like gastronomy, which is basically like the psychological like part of cooking like why people eat the history of food those type of things you know your math classes so you still have to pass then once you go through your basic like the first year or get your associate's degree then you come back and you go into like the business side of the restaurant industry which I, I never made that far. I kind of dropped out after first year because I got offered some good positions, and I was like, okay, I'll take it and see how that goes. So I had the opportunity to work sushi with Iron Chef Morimoto. I had the opportunity to work for you know great chefs in the Midwest, and it's been a ride. But culinary school, I definitely it was intense because it was like kind of like military training. I think when you would go to class, like. I don't know, what are they called? The people, the, the, the rec hall people, the people who inspect the dorm room? And they'd come check out your room, RAs or whatever, they'd come check out your rooms. And if your room wasn't clean or you had too much junk, then they would like dock your grade or demerits or whatever. You weren't allowed to like order food. And then if you came to class and your clothes weren't bleached white, your hat wasn't straight, you didn't have your neckerchief on, then you would be sent home and you'd fail for the day. If you didn't shave, like it was pretty... It's pretty intense. Wow, I never heard of that. That's interesting. What is that in your foot locker? A jelly donut? <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. That does sound intense. I've never heard of that side of things. Is it also four years? Uh, yeah, it's a four-year program. They offered a two-year program for the associates and a four-year for the uh, bachelors. But yeah, since, since recently what I've heard, they, they offer a bunch of different programs, uh, hotel, tourism, management, culinary science. They have a bunch of new programs now that they didn't have when I was there. Pretty cool stuff. In case people are interested. Yeah, so I went to the Culinary Institute of America, also known as the CIA, in Hyde Park. In fact, it was the uh, original CIA. CIA is recording this call. Yes, they are. I don't know who you are now. (laughs) By now, by now they know all of us. (laughs) I'm sure I'm on a wanted list somewhere. (laughs) Um, So you did mention, uh, well, we did mention one of the places that you work. What was some other places that you've worked at? Uh, let's see. So, yeah, I worked, worked at the California Grill in Disney, uh, which was a great experience. Uh, from there on, I opened a restaurant in Disney Springs for, with Iron Chef Morimoto. I did sushi there for about two and a half years. And then I did this competition where I got, like, top ten young chefs in the U.S. And then I met some people there, and they're like, oh, you need to go work for this guy in Minnesota. And I'm like, I'm originally from Minnesota. So, like, the fact that somebody was telling me to go back home to work in the restaurant by this guy, I was like, all right, I'll go back. Uh, the chef's name's Gavin Kaysen. He was, like, the first person to get a silver in, like, the Culinary Olympics in, like, in France every is it every every two years they do a competition it's called the Bocuse d'Or and it's basically the Culinary Olympics you know each country gets a team together and the, the US has never placed and he was the first he coached the first team to place and they got a silver and I went to go open his restaurant we're good at and, eating we're not good at cooking <laughs> I mean if you look at the dishes these guys make it makes like you think like what, what? you can eat that like it's, it's, it's insane it's just like the way I have to describe it it's like, like it's literally art on a plate I don't even know I don't even know how they create those dishes. Like, you know, I've been studying culinary arts for 12 years now, and the things I see them do is just like, how do you even think of that? And then how do you even execute it? It's another level. 
probably because of quarantine. You'd be amazed at the stuff that I have to came up with out of the ingredients that were growing in my fridge. Yeah. <laughs> you had to you had to rekill it. This isn't moldy cheddar, it's gorgonzola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can, you learned quite a bit on but uh, yeah, since since then I I opened another restaurant as the head chef and I developed a menu for them in Minneapolis as well. Um and then right before that I left that job and then moved to New York uh and worked for the three Michelin star restaurant which got voted the number one restaurant in the world back in 2017. It's insane because like a tasting menu here is like $355 per person. That's not including like wine or anything. That's just for the meals. I was like, oh my God, it would take me like a month to afford a meal. Yeah, I, I took the wife there for her birthday and she's like, we have to work here. I'm like, you crazy. You're still paying for it, huh? I'm still paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just paid it off last month. <laughs> so Josh, with all the traveling, do you find that, is it, do you find that there are distinct cuisines for different regions? Oh yeah, it's crazy like how different people eat when they're in different parts of the world. Like the food that they think is like good, it's like it tastes good but like I guess like the amount of acid or the amount of fat they use or the amount of seafood people use or like even how people make macaroni and cheese different in different parts of the U.S. It's really interesting. Or barbecue. Like in Florida, like it's not really the South, but their cuisine is different than that in like Tennessee, even though it's like Southern cuisine. And it's it's really interesting. I don't think I've had a... California has probably been probably one of some of my favorite food that I've had. It just tastes fresher. I don't know what it is about it. You know, the influences they have there is just... It's really nice. Would you say that you have like a super refined palate, or will you just will you still just go down to McDonald's and get a Big Mac if you're hungry? Oh yeah, man! Like we just ordered some Chinese food about 20 minutes ago. Hunan Walk, shout out, favorite Chinese joint. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, like Taco Bell all day. That doesn't stop, you know. Like just yes! it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, Taco Bell doesn't think. stop. Usually, once you start eating it, you're running to the bathroom. No. <laughs> So 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 it's not like oh the cow has to be raised on the shady side of the slope <laughs> day in November. <laughs> nah man. I mean like it's definitely nice like when you when you have a taste of like that kind of cuisine, it's like it's hard to go back, but then in reality you don't make a lot of mo- money as a chef, so like you, like you live off like this food that's that's you've always had access to. Wait, 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 wait. How you don't make that much money as a chef? You're charging three hundred and fifty five dollars a plate. <laughs> that money don't go to us. <laughs> like it goes to the, the operation. Like wait for three fifty. Is it one of those little artsy places that has like it's all white plate and you have this little island? Yeah, I want, I want to send you guys the link of the food. Like you literally, it'll be like a ring. It'll be like a circle plate, and then in, inside that circle plate will just be a circle of just like white. And you're like, what is that? And then it looks like it's just a a ring, but in reality, it's like squid ceviche with grilled squid salad and diced apples and fennel and like a naoli and it's really oh, so, so it's the skinny delicious meal okay. so sad. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> by the end of the meal we were we were full like I, i'm pretty sure we, we did about it was like 18 to 21 courses in a span of like two and a half three hours that's so a the, lot it, it's a lot of courses yeah it's like it's an experience like it's not for everybody i understand that and that 
like we go to experience it to see what what is out there or what people can do. Okay, with explain this to people who are, are not familiar with all of this stuff. You said you had eighteen to twenty one. I'm familiar with appetizer, entree, dessert. Definitely, no, I get that. So we do these like. Uh, they're like a muses, basically. A muse is like a like a small dish, basically like I imagine like the size of like your finger, maybe even smaller. But they're intricate dishes that are like three or four components, and this like a one biter. So we'll start off with like four or five of those, and, and you eat those. And then, then once you clear the plate, server comes take that off, and then they come in and they give you like a seafood course, which is probably like a, a oyster shot. Um, oysters with different sauces. One oyster dish we did. I don't know if you guys like oysters, but we t- we basically we took oysters, and we dehydrated them, and then we crumbled the dried oyster on top of a fresh oyster with like seaweed, and it was like the most interesting thing I've ever had in my life. And it's just like, who thinks of this stuff? It's like the super oyster bite, you know? The courses will get bigger and bigger to like where you'll get your main course, which is the protein. You get one seafood dish and then one uh, meat dish. So, like, you'll do a lobster or you'll do, like, a halibut or something like that. And that'll be paired with, like, a sauce or a vegetable. And then the protein will just be, like, half a duck with a sauce and some type of other vegetable garnish. And then at our restaurant... You said vegetable. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of, like, uh, there's a lot of vegetables in there, but they're, like, very intricate vegetables like one dish we do is just an eggplant like you'll get a plate and it's just an eggplant on the plate you're like what is this but man that eggplant is taken it's back in a bag with like smoked eggplant dashi so it's like a japanese broth made with smoked eggplant and like some soy sauce and like radishes and then we'll cook it eggplant in there and then we'll take little slices of eggplant and then we'll pickle them and we'll layer it and shingle it into the eggplant. And then, I don't even know. It's just it's too much. <laughs> I, I, I saw the dish and I was like, how do you guys, what is, where does it even come from? But it's, it's, it's pretty amazing what they can come up with. And honoring the ingredient. You know, I think that's the main thing that they want to show is like, we want to honor the ingredient from where it comes from. Because it's it's a lot of uh, to work to grow vegetables, man. <laughs> how long does it take to prepare a dish like that? Oh, all day. Days and days in advance. So like, we have teams prepping the day before basically like imagine this grilled salad we did we cleaned the squid for probably you'd have four people doing it for two to three hours and then and then that's just one part of the dish and then throughout the day our 14 16 hour day we have two or three people constructing it all the way to the finish line to serve that's why these meals become so expensive because out of our dining room we spend is 160 people um, that we feed a night and then we have 300 employees on staff that are here to serve those guests so for every customer that comes in we basically have two or three people that serve them including the the kitchen team yeah yeah, that's pretty cool. And then dessert itself, once we get to the dessert, dessert, dessert course, sorry, that's like three or four courses in itself as well. So you'll go like into an intermezzo, which is like a palate cleanser that introduces you into the dessert. And then when you leave, you get a little gift box with a bunch of like little granolas and like little homemade candy bars, which are phenomenal. You know, using like the world's best chocolate and they make their own chocolates in house. It's really cool. Oh my God, that sounds so tasty. I might have to go there. I just don't have like $300 plus to do <laughs> So I opened like two credit cards to go there. Hopefully the company gives you another check. Right. <laughs> that's supposed to pass sooner. So you, uh, I think... government check, that's two meals right there. <laughs> uh, Victor brought up something that I wanted to ask about in terms of palate. So, I don't know, are you good with like tasting some type of already prepared dish and be able to break it down into its components and be like, oh, he used this 
this, you use this, you use this. And yeah, I think that's a, that's a game I like to play. It's like, yeah, like, like he's training your palate. You know, I think anybody can develop a good palate uh, over time. That's just being able to taste different things. Like you become familiar with different ingredients over time as you taste it. You know, like say if you have ginger a lot and then when you have like a smoothie and you're like, oh, there's ginger in here and pineapple or something. You can, you can learn to taste those flavors. And I think that's like what I do. If I have a really good meal when I go to a restaurant, say I go to like, like TGI Fridays or like I taste something they make in their sauce, I'm like, oh, this is good. I want to remake this, but add a little some some to make it a little little brighter. I would make this a little more sweeter or a little bit more sour. And yeah, it's all training your palate, things to taste. I think like Jenna has a better palate than me. Like she'll some a lot of the dishes I create is her. She tells me what to make, and I just I cook it. You know, yeah. I take orders from the boss, and then I do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never. I, I'm trying to do that now. Whenever I I go out and eat something, mm-hmm. like I I try to like decipher what what I'm eating and I saw it's, it's it a fun game like you, you you taste it like what's in here and you guess and then then you ask the server and then if your server doesn't know then they'll go find out for you or they'll just not ever find out I'll never tell you but it's, it's a fun game to play I think when you're in a restaurant like, oh what's in this what's in this white sauce is there garlic and pepper in there like oh actually there's uh, yeah there's white pepper like oh that's what white pepper tastes like when you mix it with an aioli or something you know it's kind of it's kind of fun to do that you you mentioned before Josh that, that you tasted something at a, a restaurant you try to make it at home, your example with CGI Fridays. Have you used it in any of your dishes, like at a restaurant or anything like that? Or oh yeah, that? yeah. Like I, I, I can. Like we go out to eat to inspire. Like it's hard to come up with ideas when you're just sitting like in your room and kind of. Like everyone's different, but like for me to to get new ideas with food, I have to go eat different food. So I'll go to a whole in wall restaurant. I'll go to a high end restaurant and I'll see what they do and I'll take that and I'm like, oh, this is a cool idea. I can do it a little bit different, and then it's mine. <laughs> like one mold thing I like, yeah, I mold it. Like, like oh, your dish inspired me. That's just a fancy way to say that you're gonna steal their idea, you know? <laughs> like one thing I love to do is like bun me. I love bun me sandwiches, and I'll literally make everything into like, a bun, like what I plated or like a charcuterie board with like different cured meats. It's like yeah, you can be inspired by anything. So Josh, you mentioned that you were kind of like a, a championship tournament of some sort. Yeah, I like competitions. I think I love like throwing myself out there. I love like losing and <laughs> learning how to recover from that, like failing forward. So I always put myself out there, expose myself to people who I think are better than me in the industry. And competitions just been a great way to do that. So I'll apply online to a bunch of different cooking competitions. We started in high school with this program called Pro Start, which basically started off my career, got me linked in with a bunch of chefs in the industry that live close to us and were already award winning. And I just did this online application to apply to do this competition and they liked what I had. They liked my story and they put me out and then they brought me, they flew me to New York to compete against like James Beard award winning chefs, Mission Star chefs, basically chefs that had their own restaurant. And that, they were like 26, 27 years old. At the time I was 22 and I was the youngest one to compete and I was the only one that didn't have my own like chef title. I was just a prep cook at a sushi restaurant, you know, and they picked me to compete. I was like, this is a huge deal for me. I, I, and when I walked in the room, I was like, I know I'm not going to win, but I'm going to try. And basically we had, I think we had five hours to create a dish for some of the world's best chefs. These chefs, like they walk into any restaurant and they're getting free meals. Like everybody knows who they are. And I got to cook for them. I was like shaking the entire time. I was like, you could hear my voice when I was talking to them. I was just like, oh yeah, I think today I made, I can't remember what I did. It was, it was crazy. It was, I basically made a Cambodian dish. My background, I'm Cambodian and Thai. So I made like a Cambodian rice porridge for them, which is interesting to make a rice porridge soup for some of the fi- best fine dining chefs in the world and try to pass it off as gourmet. And they liked it, but they had some critique. And yeah, I didn't end up winning. 
but the guy who won actually went to go compete in the world finals against all the other different countries, and he won first place. So I'm like, I don't feel bad for losing against him because he just took the world champion title. <laughs> well, the fact that you were there and you experienced that, that's, I mean, how many people can say that, right? Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's, that's my goal to win. Like, the, the competition's for people who are 18, between 18 and 30. So, like, I'm hoping that they'll come back again next year and I can go back and compete again and try to win a title for the U.S. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man, that'll be great. And then we can you can come back on the show and be like, <laughs> champion, Josh. Yes. Josh the chef champ. You get like a belt or something? I think, I don't see, I don't even know what you get. I think you get a trophy. Like, it's, if you guys heard of it, it's called it's San Pellegrino. They have that, like, fancy Italian one. And, like, yeah. I have this. This is what I got from, the, like, this big old magnum. I just keep this in my room as inspiration. There's dog hair all over it. Yeah, wow. It's just a huge <laughs> bottle of San Pellegrino that I keep, that I keep in the room. It's not, it's not, it's just like booze. It's just and sparkling water. <laughs> the prize was water. Your prize should be a bigger hat every time. Right, every time. <laughs> so eventually your hat is so tall, we can barely get into the door. He must be rude. <laughs> exactly. That's actually the, the, the folds in the traditional chef hat were based off, there's 101 folds in each chef toque, and that's supposed to be based off every single way you can cook an egg. So like, really? Yeah, that's the traditional chef. Uh, French toke. So I don't egg? know. Yeah, so I don't know how many ways you guys want to cook an egg, but I, I definitely know I don't know hundred of one ways. <laughs> wow. Three, wait, two. There's like four hundred ways to cook an egg or something like that. Yeah, that's, that is a, that's a lot. You can do so much with an egg. It's a magical ingredient for real. Yeah. Oh, we love eggs. Let me ask, what is your favorite food to A, cook, and B, eat? Assuming they're not the same thing. That's, that's an interesting question. I get that a lot. People don't, wouldn't expect my answer, but I love like I love hot dogs and nachos. Like That's what I love to eat. Like And in the middle of the night, you can eat nachos. In the morning, you can have chilaquiles. It's kind of like the same thing, but it's, it's great. I love that. Chicago dogs are one of my favorite things. And then as far as cooking, like... It depends on my mood. Like I've learned, I've worked in French restaurants. Honestly, I have a background yeah. in like Italian cuisine. I opened in the Japanese and restaurant and Thai restaurant. So I'm like, I I don't really like to cook. I love cooking on a walk. Walks are super fun. <laughs> like you're cooking over a 250,000 BTU and you're sweating your face off over a flame. It's it's awesome fun. Uh, I yeah. I don't know. What do I like to cook? Like at home? Like what I like to cook at home? In general, in general, at home or at work, you know, whatever. I have to say, like, sushi is something I was, like, going back to. There's something really calm about, like, rolling sushi or making nigiri. Like, if you have the right ingredients to make talking it. talking to the right crowd about sushi. Yeah, man. I, I love making sushi. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's fun. It's, it's, it's simple, but that's, that doesn't mean it's easy. It's just, it's just clean. You know, you work, you work with rice, you work with seaweed, and you work with fish. And some sauces. It's, it's a lot that goes into the prep. Like, if I make sushi, I'll probably need, like, three or four hours before I can start rolling to make everything properly. Wow. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. I'm doing yeah. it all wrong. I'll make my poke bowl in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. You want to cook it right from serving on top? It's like a so your, your hat's not as tall as his. <laughs> <laughs> right about that. My, my I don't even have a hat. <laughs> so do you have like a signature dish? Because with me, when I make food, it, you know, my signature dish is like Pop-Tarts or cereal. <laughs> what do you do that? Yeah, if someone's yeah. gonna ask, make me the Josh. What is the Josh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This me, I just come out on the plate, man. <laughs> you know what you mean? <laughs> like, Ta-da! Ta-da! Here, what would you like now? Uh, That's not uh, undercooked. Did you send it back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think 
one thing, one of these recipes I think I like the best is I made this lechon for the one of the Thai restaurants I opened up. Lechon. Yeah, it's. I think I, I I've been testing the recipe for probably three or four months. I did a bunch of different styles, Cebu style or like you yeah. know just using the pork belly and rolling it or just you know braising it before frying it or baking it instead of frying it. And I, I tested this recipe out for probably three and a half months. And then I finally figured out a way to do it and. The way I do it, it renders all the fat out so you don't get like that chewy fat on your your teeth when you eat it. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. When you eat some pork skin, it sticks oh, in your mouth because the it fat stays there. It yeah. stays there yeah. forever. It stays there forever, yeah. But I figured a way where I can puff the entire top like a chicharron, but the pork belly is still super tender and juicy, oh. but not like so tender where it like shreds, but just enough where there's a bite to it, you know what I mean? But it's like a soft bite. And like when I, when I first tried it, I was like, this is it. I'm putting this on the menu and nobody's going to know how to make it except for me. <laughs> this is my secret recipe. <laughs> and then I make my own like monk tamas, but I don't make it with like monk tamas is like an all purpose dipping sauce, you know, for Filipinos. Yes. But I make it without the liver pate. I just make it with onions. So onions and garlic. So I actually saute onions and garlic and caramelize them so the sugars in the vegetable actually become sweet. And then I blend that with the king vinegar, the tatiputi vinegar, and a lot of black pepper. And it's just like the perfect sauce for lechon. That's my favorite thing I've made in the last couple of years. That's the Josh. <laughs> you know, under normal circumstances, we would take you out to eat for as a thank you for doing the podcast, but I think you have to cook for us. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like my uh, my bachelor party, you know. <laughs> <Good> for <everybody. laughs> <laughs> no, I'm down, man. You guys, when we uh, we'll, this up, let's do a cook. Like we'll cover we'll cover ingredients or anything. You know, hey, we'll go to the grocery store and we'll pay the guy whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. Like this is this is my. Well, I don't know. He's a, he's a fancy chef. I don't know if our type of grocery <laughs> store will work. He's gonna want like you know pickles. He's a fancy chef. He likes to eat hot dogs. Dogs and nachos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's when he's at home. But what about when he's cooking for us? Oh, man. I want to try that lechon dish. Yeah, man. I literally, like, pork is what? three ninety nine a pound for a pork yeah. belly? Oh, pork is awesome. Yeah, no problem. That's it. It's a cheap dish, but it's just, it's the labor that really goes into these dishes that make them, like, that's what you're paying for, really. It's the labor behind it. Like, what lechon. is the most difficult or intricate dish you've ever made? The most difficult intricate dish. Da, 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 da. That's a, that's a good question. You stumped me. Yeah. There's so much going through my head right now. All I can think about is this recent dish that I made. I made I made a dish recently. I wouldn't say that was. I don't know if it was, didn't seem hard just because I was at home and I was taking my time with it. But like when you're in a restaurant, the, the added pressure of the chef yelling at you and your time refrain makes things a little more difficult. So that raises the pressure for sure. But like right. a dish I made recently was was pretty intricate. I think. Um, I basically, as I call it an onion ring. So I cut an onion in rounds and then I took out some of the rings so that it was like hollow and like there's some spaces in between. And I made like a scallop mousseline, which is basically like a whipped scallop like mousse. And I piped it into the, the holes in the onion. So when you're looking at it, it's like onion, scallop mousse, onion, scallop mousse, you know? And then I kind of sous vide that and just compressed it in a bag with bacon fat. Cooked that for two hours so the onion was super tender and sweet. You had me bacon fat. Yeah, so it's like, it's like you know, bacon, Like my, it was my take on like bacon wrapped scallops, you know? Yeah, it's like those similar oh, flavors playing together. Yeah, so I'll take like people's favorite dishes and I'll like, I'll present it in a way that looks like nothing like it. So I, I, I did that and that took like fried garlic and shallots and made like a, a panko breadcrumb out of that and crusted the, the side of the onions with it. Oh my and god. I fried it with like some pistachios because pistachios and scallops are really great. I love 
uh, contrast, and then just some black truffles on top, because I had some black truffles in the freezer, but I actually have a video on YouTube that I just made that dish, so if you want to check that out, it's out there. Mm. It right, I got so a question. Good. I had a question because when you were speaking, you were saying something like, "Oh, it's high pressure. You're in the kitchen, and the head chef is yelling at you." See, I always thought that was TV. You know, Gordon Ramsay yelling at people because <laughs> somebody yells at me, and I got a butcher knife next to me. I don't know how that's gonna play out. Do yeah. they actually do that? Yeah. So a lot of people like they don't. It depends on like the intensity of the kitchen. It's not a kitchen environment for everybody. It's very classic, like old age style. You have your executive chef, the chef de cuisine, the sous chefs, and those are people that are above you, and they need to make sure that things go out on time and precisely. So they have a lot of pressure on them. Like people kill themselves over Michelin stars. Like there's like chefs that literally commit suicide when they lose a star. So wow. that amount of pressure is like super intense and that they trust us to do it. They don't really, they trust you to do it, but like they make sure that they can trust you along the way. Um, but yeah, like I guess it's the level of like respect that you have for the chef because you're there to learn from them. Like I'm not really here to work. I'm not here to like work for money. Like I'm not in this restaurant to, to make a lot of money. I'm here to learn from the best chefs in the world, you know, we'll work next to the best cooks in the world and to get more ideas. That's basically why I'm here. Like I said, like passion is something that you'll do for free or even pay somebody to, to allow you to do for them, you know? So our commute is like almost what, $60 a day. And sometimes um, we're willing to do that to learn from these guys. But right now, right now it might be a little more difficult just because we have to get <laughs> We'll see how things change. You mentioned that you work with some famous chefs. You mentioned Morimoto and you mentioned one other. Can you mention some other names that you've worked with? Uh, yeah, so the, I've met a lot of chefs, uh, Robert Irvine, uh, Ming Tsai, I've met, I've met them. Uh, um, yeah, I have Morimoto definitely is one that I work next to and he's pretty intense guy. He's very active. For his age, he's like a, a rabbit, you know, like he's, I mean a lot, he's ripped. Like he plays golf like every weekend and he's a quick guy. Like making sushi next to him was no joke. I wanted to some cool myself every time I, I did something wrong. Aww. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, Gavin Kaysen was another chef that I worked before. He he's uh, the the chef that was at the Bukus Dior. He was uh, the best chef in New York City for about ten years under Daniel Belud. I did a pop up with Daniel Belud in Minneapolis. He's a classic French chef here in the city. Years of experience on him. Who else I met? I cooked for Andrew Zimmern when he came to the restaurant with Gavin Kaysen. Grant Ackett's from Alinea. Another three-star Michelin restaurant in Chicago. Uh, Daniel Hume was who we were working for previously. He's the chef at Blood uh, Madison Park. Sorry, Jenna's in the back. She's like reminding me everyone that I met. I'm like, oh, you met a lot of people. And uh, Dominique Friend, she's got, she got voted the number one female chef in the world, I think, two years ago. Yes. Um, yeah, she had like, I think she got diagnosed with cancer recently, but I think she fought it off. So she's, uh, Jenna looks up to her like crazy, but I have her book. She's phenomenal. Bryce Schumann, he owned a one-star Michelin. I cooked for him. Emma Bankston, she has a two-star Michelin. She was the second female in the U.S. to get two Michelin stars at her restaurant in, uh, in New York City. So she's, she's a nice lady. She's, she loves dancing. They're super nice. She's a Swedish chef, so. And Alex Dupac, he has a, this taco empire in New York City in Pignon. He's, he was the pastry chef for Wally Dufresne who was like a super like gastronomy chef. He did all like the molecular cuisine. And then he was a pastry chef for him for, for a couple of years. And then he decided to leave, you know, when the taco restaurant. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. You're a white boy from Massachusetts and you want to open up a taco joint. Like, do you, bro? And he did it. He's been super successful. So it's, he has a great uh, lingua taco. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. I've 
I kind of, I gotta admit, I've only recognized a couple of names. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah a, lot of, a lot of the, like, unless you, like, watch, like, Food Network, like, like some of them are, like, popular in the chef community, you know, they're not popular to everybody, but, like, people in the industry definitely know them, or if you pay attention to, like, the culture, like, you definitely know. I'm sure there's a lot more in there. I have a, I have a bunch of pictures somewhere. somewhere. I don't remember. Not a lot of them. I think a lot of them were drunk the night I met them, and maybe I was too. I don't remember. You mentioned you went to school for like, what was it, French cuisine or Italian cuisine? I'm sorry. Which one? Yeah, was it? Uh, French cuisine. So basically, yeah, the school teaches like the background in French cuisine. And uh, what would be your your specialty? Like, what is your forte in terms of French cuisine if you had to pick one? Butter. <laughs> like, just butter in general. <laughs> like, I, I know how to make butter. I, know, I love butter. Butter is good and everything. Oh, like a French dish that's smile. I think like, uh, like pat- pâtés, force meat type stuff to learn some things that I really enjoy making. Why why go the French route? What what uh, drew you in that direction? Well, like for a while, people this is my kind of problem with like food. I think food is very political and it's much of different aspects of it because people look up to French cuisine and they honor it like it's the best cuisine in the world. People think like French people have refined cuisine in a way that makes it prestigious, you know? But then in reality, if you think of it, Asian culture, uh, like Chinese food, that's probably the most difficult cuisine in the world, to be honest. Like like looking into the the technique of you know making dumplings, hand pulling noodles, mm-hmm. uh, their broths, like it's very I think it's much more intricate than French cuisine, but it's not looked on as a, like a prestigious cuisine, you know. So a lot of chefs learn French cuisine to kind of get in with like this is high in food. French cuisine is is high and it's next level. So that's why they, you it, they eat snails. Right, and that's the thing. Like that's cargo. Like that's <laughs> is that's the thing. Is you take something that most people wouldn't eat, farce or like a what's it called? Awful, awful, awful. The like organs, internal organs, and you can get people to eat that. That's that's a hard thing to do. When you can transform something that nobody wants to eat and make them eat it and enjoy it, that's a hard thing to do. Anybody can take a truffle and make it we'll taste, taste good, good, or like take a you know a piece of steak and get somebody to eat it. But how can how long how often can you get somebody to eat a cow tongue or pig feet? Yeah, you know? I it's love just, cow tongue. Yeah, <laughs> I try it. Yeah, that's like that's like the two things. That's like I think like charcuterie is really important for every chef to know. Um, learn to cook with these different ingredients that aren't really out there. Like in Norway, there's you know, in Copenhagen, there's a chef named uh, Rene Redzepi. He's really famous for like going out and foraging his own ingredients and working with fermentation to bring out the next level in ingredients by using the basics of like a gooseberry or an asparagus that they pick next to the beach and like using that and just adding salt to it and letting it ferment for three months and then taking it back and then juicing it and then making a vinegar out of the, the starches or whatever. And that's what they're doing. And they're like reinventing ingredients. And that's what they're known for. You know, they're bringing these basic ingredients to the next level. Really important some cuisine. But yeah, to answer your Sorry, I, I, I don't think I answered your question about like why French cuisine, but like, yeah, it's just like, it's like the path everyone takes. Like, oh, you learn French cuisine. But then down the way, I realized like, it's not the only way to go. You know, learning French cuisine is not the only way to go to be successful. I don't remember the question, but yeah, that's great. <laughs> no, very informative very no very good I, I'm, I'm learning a lot here and I could tell that you're very you know I could hear it in your voice that you're very passionate and you love what you do and I love that yeah so and you mentioned a lot of names you worked with a lot of people you've met a lot of people do you have anyone anyone out there that um, inspires you? Like, do you look up to a chef of any kind or anything like that? Do you- yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a, a great question. I look up to the chefs that aren't just out there for the awards, that they care about their team, that they care about 
you know, the food, they care about the environment, you know? And so my chef right now, Daniel, who I'm like, he is inspiring because of his team. Like, and I don't work, I don't get to see him that much. I don't get to talk to him that much because he runs the restaurant. He's the owner, but his chef team, when I talk to them, I feel like if he trusts these people, I feel like I can trust him, you know, based off his like leadership that he hired. I feel like sure. I know him because of the leadership team he has. And those are the, my chef, Brian Lockwood. He's an, an amazing chef, super fair, honest. You mess up. He's going to rip your face open, but if you do good, he's going to push you to, to do better and do your best that you can. Gavin Kaysen has been one that I was looked up to uh, just because of his leadership skills, his voice in the community, his, his motivation, even though like some, it's been difficult like working with him or for him because I was, that was my transition from working into like a sushi chef to being a line cook. So like being from like a cold station to jumping out behind the flames and like working in this kitchen, that was a difficult transition for me. But the same thing with him, the way he hired his team, the way he treats his staff, the way he manages his business is all things I look up to. Um, one of the other chefs I like, Alex Roberts, he's a, he's a more of a local chef in Minneapolis. He opened his restaurant at 27 years old, Alma. That was my first fine dining experience that we had, and that just took me to another level. I was just like, I was a high school kid, you know, eating at Sonic every day after school, and then I got to eat here because we won this, this competition, and he wanted to sponsor a meal for us, and he did a private menu for us. He gives us a private section in his restaurant, and he gave us the five-star treatment. You know, this is like four high school kids who are 17, 16 years old. And he's treating us like that. I'm like, you can, like, the energy you can feed off on people is amazing. And, like, I learned to, I learned to, I learned about him more of the years, like, how much more of a genuine human being he was, you know? He's not just in the restaurant, but with his family. I told him, I was like, Chef, I'm leaving. You've been, uh, a great role model to me, not just in the restaurant, in, in your life, you know? You always post about his wife. You always post about his kids. And it's not just about the restaurant. I'm like, that's crazy because my entire life up to that point was all in the restaurant. I didn't know how to balance anything. You can ask Jen, I didn't care about anything else except for being in the restaurant every single day, you know, coming home and opening a side business. Just like, if I ever had a day off, I... I had three days off for, I think, two months, and then I ended up starting a catering business because I was like, I have too much time off. I can't not be in, in the kitchen. And then all of the, the chef's influence around me kind of like, I think they kind of shaped me into this maniac. I was always curious about this one. I don't know if someone might have asked this question already, but what was the first dish you've ever made, like presented, um, that you were very proud of? Oh, man, I was eight years old. It was homemade pizza. Nice. Yeah, man. That's why I love pizza. That's the story. That's the origin. That was the birth <laughs> of of love for food. Because I remember it was, I remember it like it was yesterday, man. It was Thanksgiving, right? I was at my family's house in Columbus, Ohio. And we had our Thanksgiving feast. It was cool. It was cool. And then uh, the next day, nobody wanted to cook, so we ordered pizza. And I was like, oh, pizza's great. I love pizza, you know? Who doesn't love pizza? And then the next day, my uncle, he makes homemade pizza. And I'm in the kitchen with him, and I see him put this cornmeal on this, you know, this wooden board, and he's rolling this dough out, and I smell like the yeast in the air. I'm like, I'm curious. I'm like, I didn't leave the kitchen. I was like, what is going on in here? He put the cornmeal in my hand. I got to feel it. I got to feel the dough. You know, he made the tomato sauce. I got to taste it. And I'm like, this is really cool. And then, like, I ran off, and then I started playing, and then eating lemon bars from Thanksgiving Day. And then when he cooked the, the pizza, I could smell it. I'm like, this smells amazing. And then I tried it, and I was like, this is nothing like you know, the pizza we bought. I'm like, I didn't even know you could make pizza at home. At this point, I didn't know you could cook things that you bought at restaurants at home. You know? <laughs> I didn't know you could make homemade meals like this. And I was just like, this is, this is another level. So I went home, you know, we drove home back to Minnesota and I made pizza for about two and a half weeks. You know, just every day made pizza for my family. And that was it. Then my mom bought a deep fryer and I started frying chicken sandwiches for everybody. And, and it took off from there. So that was, yeah, the first thing I made was pizza, 
fried chicken and pho. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that, uh, one of the reasons we connected again was uh, you uh, put out there that you were making some type of a hot sauce and you wanted to get some people to, to, to taste it. And I, I, I'm all for that. So when I saw that and, and I, I thought, let's let's grab some because I love hot sauce and uh, uh, I got it. You know, we'll, we'll put a picture of it on the uh, on the website there, of your hot sauce there so we can promote it for you. And I got to say, I got a chance to taste it. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I think you, you wanted to cut the survey back. We'll definitely get you the survey. Uh, back to you. <laughs> sorry. No worries. Been very hectic, but we'll get that survey back out to you. Can you talk a little bit about the hot sauce? Like, what inspired you to go to create a hot sauce? Why are you creating a hot sauce? What's the name of the hot sauce? Promote it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so basically, this is our, our hot sauce. I've been wanting to bottle sauce for a while because, because I always wanted to get my products out into the world, and I never had the real push to do it until recently. I found out that my wife's pregnant, and I had this moment, you know, instead of panicking when I'm when I'm looking at the sonogram and sort of freaking out, I was like, how can I? How can I provide for for my child, especially now when you know so much uncertainty right now? You know, I just got laid off a job we just moved here for. I don't know what the next step is, and I figured, shoot, let's start a sauce business. And then while I'm looking at the sonogram in the car, I'm like, baby daddy's hot sauce. Like I'm baby daddy. <laughs> this is my hot sauce. <laughs> That's a dope name. Let's call it baby daddy's hot sauce. And then as soon as Jenna gets back from her blood work, I'm like, babe, baby daddy's hot sauce. She's like, what? I'm like, you guys like son's hot sauce. So like. I had a bunch of sauce ideas in my mind, and this one I actually never tested out. I was like, oh, I think this will taste good, and I just started cooking in the kitchen, and it came out great. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. I like this a lot. And then we started shipping. I made 10 bottles, and I was like, I just posted on Instagram like as a joke, like, hey, who wants hot sauce? I got I got some bottles. In the first, like, two hours, I had 48 email messages. And I was just like, holy crap. <laughs> like, I'm not ready. I was not ready. So then I started putting out surveys and getting feedback because like I'm, I've been trying to launch the YouTube for a while and I've been taking a lot of classes I'm like oh use your you know your your audience to move your business forward so I started putting surveys out and I'm like hey what should I name this hot sauce and I put out ideas and then they'll vote and then they'll tell me exactly what they want I'm like okay that can't hurt so I had two different hot sauce names up and then one of them was Bangkok Fire and so I'm like you know I call it Bangkok Fire because it's I think it's resemblance to like sweet chili Thai sauce like a little bit but it's a lot more spicier. So I'm like, oh okay, God. this will be my Bangkok fire. So uh, the inspiration was, was Bangkok Thai fire. Isn't that something you catch if you go visit Thailand? Don't you catch <laughs> That's it. You don't catch Bangkok fire, bro. You can catch, you can catch it here now in the U.S. You know? <laughs> but, Wear a mask. <laughs> but yeah, so the sauce is inspired by Thai cuisine. That's a tamarind um, garlic, which I confit, which is basically slow cooking it in, uh, in, in oil until it's like really nice and like caramelized. I blend it up. I take Thai chilies and individually de-stem all of them. So that takes a long time. So usually a movie's playing in the back while I'm doing that. And I'll ferment it, which that's my huge thing right now. It's like fermentation. Now fermented for three weeks in two uh, percent brine, and that changes the flavor. Uh, it makes it really like more sour. It makes it a little more spicier. It makes the flavor a lot, a lot more depth. And then I'll blend it up with uh, with lime juice, cane vinegar, the tamarind, and uh, garlic. It's pretty simple. That's it. Bottle it up. That's ready to roll. I gotta say, it's very, very delicious. I usually have it with. Usually for lunch, I have like nori. <laughs> so I put like some drops of it in the nori and it's really good it tastes really good i enjoy it i put in some other stuff it's it's great so thank you it's, i'll get to that survey i promise I'm sorry. <laughs> thank you thank you i'm glad you it, like it it's so, it's delicious like you know when 
when I think of hot sauce, I'm not into spice. I personally am not in. I just started getting into the spice just during Sheltered In. Mm-hmm. And when I, t- I just tasted a drop of this because I'm very wary about the spice level, that one drop had so much flavor and it was, and the heat came, it wasn't an instant bang. Like you got, I got to enjoy the mm-hmm. taste of everything before the spice hit. This is delicious <laughs> for a hot sauce. Like it's, you know, cause I, a lot of the hot sauces that I come across are either there's a sweetness in them, but then it's just all heat. And then there's also that sour component and then it's just all heat. This is so good. <laughs> good. I'm glad you so like it. Slowly yeah. I'm, I'm building my, my tolerance because of your, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Be like I, I want to have it and I have to be, I have to be brave enough to, to get it. In. Yeah. I think it, that's awesome. Cause like it, it does sneak up on you a little bit. Like you get all, you, you, you put on your mouth and you have enough time to like taste all the flavors, the garlic, the sourness and the tamarind. And then like the heat comes in later. The Bangkok fire. Bangkok fire. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. It's just a hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. It's the sauce. <laughs> Are you thinking of a, another version? Uh, yeah, I got a, I got one in the works right now. I'm working on a I'm working on one for my Minnesota peeps, uh, um, purple hot sauce. So it's gonna be like I don't know what I'm gonna call it yet, but like kind of like in honor of like Prince and like you know Vikings and everything. Nice. So like well, how to make a purple hot sauce? I'm still figuring that out. So yeah. <laughs> Nice. All right. Nerd Spark exclusive. New hot sauce coming out soon. Yes. Exclusive. Nobody else knows about that except for you guys. <laughs> Everybody here. So we've been talking a lot about uh, what you do and your passion and everything, but not everybody has just one passion out there. What, what else are you passionate about? What else do you do? Do you have any other hobbies besides cooking? Yeah. I love, it's weird. I like, I like rapping, like making music. <laughs> yeah. So I started like incorporating raps into my recipe videos. <laughs> really weird uh, I like dancing a lot that's kind of how I try try to stay in shape I had a crew back in in high school we go around and do talent shows and b-boy and hip-hop dance yeah cooking's a big one I might I might get into acting soon because that seems fun I had one gig in Cali um now I think I'm Will Smith or something but it's <laughs> it's pretty fun what, what, what was the gig I, I shot a Facebook commercial so I got flew out to Cali. Oh, that was you? Yeah, commercial. You see that? Yeah, that was me, man. Right next to Rocky. Rocky, you know? <laughs> no, it was, uh, I, uh, I don't think they aired it yet, but it, they just released it on YouTube, but they're going to put it on TV soon, which is pretty cool. I saw one that did this for, like, Facebook groups. So they flew me out, and they flew a couple of chefs out, and I landed at LAX, man. They picked me up in the Black Escalade. They drew me to my hotel in, in Hollywood, and I was like, yo, this is, this is nice, man. <laughs> my hotel room had stairs in it and two TVs. I was like, what the hell is this? It was crazy. How the other half live, right? Yeah, it was insane. I was like, this is nice. I could get used to this. But it was it was pretty intense. Like <laughs> two TVs and everything. Yeah. 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 I spent no time in our show and look what you get. <laughs> no, I, was, I, was, I feel more comfortable here. I, I feel like out of my element. Hungry beggars. Please. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, for real, when we close up, y'all, we'll, we'll get together and we'll do some grilling and chilling or something. Yeah, that'd be excellent. I need to try some of your food, dude. Yeah, man. I'm hungry. All this talk of food. I want to go eat now. 
And uh, I think <laughs> there's some DoorDash here already. <laughs> I'm, like, all right. I'm gonna have to raid my fridge and see what's in there and see what's going. You're gonna forage in your fridge, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think there's a pigeon on my window so <laughs> So just a couple of more questions, Josh, before we end it. But I'm, uh, I'll, I, I love that, you know, I'm learning a lot of stuff here, and it, it's great. I could see that, that you're, you're really passionate about everything that you do, and that's that's awesome. I'm, I'm absorbing a lot. I'm almost full of everything <laughs> that you've told me. That's rare. Uh, <laughs> but uh, one of the things that I, I, I wanted to ask you, kind of personal here, but I cannot cook for the life of me. Okay? I burned water. That's how bad I am at, at cooking. What can you do? Like, what would be something that you would think that I can create? Like, a simpleton can create at home something. Pop-tarts. <laughs> Pop-tarts. <laughs> I can make that. If I can make that, anybody can make a Pop-Tart. You just yeah. throw it in the... Is that how you do it? Oh, man, I just take out the bag. <laughs> but I come to you, oh, Josh. I, I need to learn to cook one thing. One thing. Just one, one thing. thing. What right. is it that you could... That even a simpleton like me, it'd be like an idiot can learn this. All right. So I like I like this question a lot because there's a lot of different routes you can go. I can give you a lot of recipes, but it's just you learn a recipe, you learn to cook one dish. But if you learn a technique, you can make a hundred dishes. You know what I mean? That's uh, Julia Child said that. You know, Julia Child. But the thing I would make, honestly, right before I left the culinary school, right before I left to go to the greatest culinary school in the world, I made a grilled cheese sandwich at home for my family, and I burned burned all of them. <laughs> right? Oh no! And I remember it because I'm reminded. Yeah, like just like three, four people. And I remember because my sister posted it on Facebook. So I'm reminded every year. She said, Josh just burnt all our grilled cheeses. Good luck at culinary school, bud. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be reminded of this every year. So honestly, make a grilled cheese sandwich, you know? You, you, and this is, this is just playing with technique because you have to master heat. You have to master the amount of fat you're using. Too much fat, your bread gets soggy. Too little, your bread's not going to be evenly crusted, right? So you add a little butter in your pan, you add your bread, you add your cheese, and it teaches patience because if you let the heat go too high, like I do, because I don't have patience, your bread's going to burn, your cheese is not going to melt. But if you put it on there in a nice medium, low flame, one side, cheese is on there, and then you let the cheese melt, you got a perfect good cheese. It's golden brown on both sides, and then the cheese is melted. And What's the preferred it? cheese? Preferred cheese. No, man, you make good cheese, you got to make American cheese, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm asking, because if that doesn't take, that melts in like 10 seconds. Yeah, exactly. And that's the, that's the thing, like, if you don't, like... Yeah, imagine I can make a grilled cheese sandwich where I burn it on the outside, but the inside is not melted yet. It's like, what are you doing, right? But, like, that's the thing. You can mess with it from there. You can mess with different cheeses. You add aged cheddar. You add Munster. Then you go into, like, kimchi grilled cheese where you add Munster, pepper jack, and then you put some kimchi in there. You know what I mean? And then you're messing with that from a grilled cheese sandwich. And then you take that to the next level. You take some sautéed onions and a hamburger patty. Then you got a patty melt. You know what I mean? Like, you're, just, you're taking this sandwich to the next level. I love sandwiches, man. Like, that's my that's my thing. I love sandwiches. Have you ever so. have you ever made a French toast burger? Have you, ever, have you ever battered the bread French toast style, and then you put a burger on that, and you grill that up? I mm-hmm. have not. Not yet. I think I'm going to try that, because that sounds... I guess you do better than whatever I, I threw together back there. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a great breakfast burger. It'll also put you to sleep for the rest of the day. <laughs> it's a sweet, savory kind of thing. I love those kind of things, man. Except for, like, I, I saw people do, like, the donut burger, which I think is maybe one step too far for me, but I would definitely mess with some French toast. Never, I like, 
never actually tried a donut burger. I've seen them, never actually have Yeah, I had one in Florida, and that was, I was done. Like that seems like too much. Yeah, yeah that's too much for me. What is your preferred cheese in general? Oh, yeah. I love... Oh, what's my favorite cheese? Uh, or is that an unfair question? That's a hard one, because I can't have one. That's like, how I feel. You're forgiven. It's a- yeah. <laughs> like, I can't have one favorite cheese. Great. Great. I'm glad I answered that one. <laughs> You'll start a riot online. <laughs> You mentioned uh, you're doing some YouTube stuff. Like, what do you you have a YouTube channel out there? What's the name of your YouTube channel? Uh, so my YouTube channel is Love Food More Productions. All one word: Love Food More Space Productions. I just subscribed to it. Yeah, thanks for the subscribe. I saw that. Okay, thanks, Mike. What, what do you do on the, on that channel? Oh man, that's just my life. So I. I'm told I should make a different channel, but I'm like, I'm already, I'm already doing it, so I'm gonna keep going. But love food more, that's my life, you know? I categorize my life. Love, food, and then whatever else comes in the jumble. So I post about all that things. I'm starting a video vlog about our journey of becoming parents, uh, a vlog of us starting the business, and then learn, learning recipes with me, you know? And just cooking dishes that I wanna make, that I end up making for us to eat, and I just record it and post it up. And sometimes I'll throw a, a rap recipe in there. Yeah. So I have a bunch of different series on there. On there. Uh, I have a, a series called Stories from the Pass. Uh, the Pass is basically where the food is served, and then the servers come and grab it and bring it to the dining room. But I kind of use it as wordplay. So, and that's basically my story of what I'm doing to become a chef. Uh, fine dining. That's like like not really fine dining, but it's us going out to eat at different restaurants. You know. Because we're finding we're different restaurants, get it? <laughs> yeah, it's full of puns. My whole thing is full of puns. Pun, pun, yeah. wordplay. Because that's getting ready for cheesy dad jokes, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, get ready for the cheesy dad jokes. So I got uh, one more. Use on the cheesy dad jokes. Oh, the glue kind. Zing. So I got I got one more question for you. I always ask my guests uh, this question, and you're no different. I'm going to ask it. <laughs> Who is your favorite superhero and why? Oh. <laughs> it could be from any genre. It could be from any, it could be comic books. It could be from movies. It could be uh, anime. It could be anything. That's interesting. Wow, I never thought about that. This, is, this isn't really fair because you can't even pick a favorite cheese and there's more superheroes. Yes, than that. that is true. That is, that is a hard one. I'll let you off the hook with the cheese. You have to pick a cheese. <laughs> I have to pick a cheese? Can I pick a cheese? <laughs> but I've been really into, like, I just watched all the Iron Man recently. Who do I like? This is the hardest question I've ever had. I heard Iron Man. So I like, I, I, I'm not a big Iron Man fan, but I'm a more Tony Stark fan. Like, I want to be Tony Stark. I guess Stark. Tony Stark is, I guess, what I go to. Because he's, like, resembles to, like, I guess they model him off Elon Musk. But, like, he's a smart guy. He's got charisma. And he's just a suave dude, you know? I like I really enjoy his movies, but I'm, I'm going to go with that, I guess. I'm going to go with Tony Stark because I want his house. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I definitely want his house. I want I want his technology, you know? Yeah, I mean, dude. This, you wouldn't you be know, scared of anything. Like, you had Jarvis at you, man. Like, yeah. You don't to be scared of, you know? Good choice. Yeah. Now I'll let you know why Wolverine can kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. 
Well, he's dead anyways. He's gone. Because so, so. Wolverine has always been my my true favorite Marvel superhero. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. The Adamantium Claws, he'll just rip through that all. Not a, not a big fight. Tony Stark, <laughs> no chance against Wolverine. Not I mean, yeah, Wolverine's pretty, pretty, pretty badass. That's it. I think that's all my questions there. You got through all of my gamut of questions there, Josh. Oh, man. But, I'm actually sweating. That <laughs> was great. Thank you very much for, for joining the podcast there, Josh. Thanks for, thanks for having me, y'all. It was, it was fun and nice to meet you guys and talk to y'all. And hopefully... Congratulations to you and Jenna. Thank you so much. We're super yeah. excited. Congrats on the new kid that's on his way. When's the due date, roughly? Uh, yeah, December Christmas. Have you considered names? Evil Ray is an awesome name. Evil Ray, I saw that one. I was like, <laughs> Evil Ray. Strong <laughs> <laughs> enough. In any case, I hope soon this craziness is over. We'll go out and uh, we'll, we'll uh, get something to eat. Or you come here and you cook, whichever. <laughs> Whatever you I'm down. I'm down the call, man. I'm doing So, Victor. Yeah. Should I mention the website? I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love Love more is on YouTube. Subscribe, people. Subscribe. Bye. You can find me. Love Food More Productions. Do you want to shout out anything else? Yeah, get your sauce, get your Bangkok fire on, you know, hit me up on Instagram. He's also on Instagram. I'm on Instagram, love food more, all one word. You can hit me in the DMs and we'll send some sauce out your way. Be the first to test this new hot sauce on the market. Yes, love hot sauce. So Victor already said it. So you can find us and all our content on nerdsports.com. Yes, I said nerdsports.com. Jen. Nerdsport.com and we'll also have us. a link to Love Food More. Hey. So find us on Instagram and Twitter on Nerdsport. Please continue to listen. Please continue to rate and comment. We see you guys. We thank you very much for, for listening. Thank you again, uh, Josh, for being uh, on the on the show. Uh, and we can't wait to have you again in the near future. Great. Thank you for having me. So I am one of your hosts here. This is Al. Evil Ray. And Josh, Josh again. Thank everybody. Give applause for Josh for being <laughs> on the podcast today. Thank you guys. It was great. Thank you for having me. Everybody out there, have a wonderful day, and we'll catch you next time. See ya.